Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan. In order to get into the playoffs, if they beat the Bears, they're in. And what a crowning moment it is for the first-year starter, Jordan Love, who led them to this victory today and into the playoffs. The oldest rivalry in the NFL, but it's the same old story now for a number of years as the Packers beat the Bears for a tenth consecutive time. David Haw. Three years in, three seasons as a Bear. Likely, I don't know, it could be, could be, and it likely is, his last game in a Bear uniform. Like I said, that decision is not in my hands. You know, all I can control is, you know, what I did do, and I gave him my all. So um, whether it's here or not, you know, uh, I have no regrets. Shout out to, you know, you guys for, you know, making my job a little bit harder. But, um, yeah, uh, just to the city of Chicago, love y'all. Appreciate the fans and the support from all the Bears, you know, in case this is my last rodeo with y'all, and just appreciate y'all for everything. Start your mornings with Mully and Haw, 5.30 till 10 a.m. on 6.70 The Score. Mully the morning mauler. My man David Haw. I love it. Let's go. Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Oh, goodness gracious. Well, it's over, Mr. David. The 2023 season in the books for the Chicago Bears. And now the fun part of the program begins. We find out what it meant, if it damned anybody, if people are will be rewarded, what happened to the Bears, and where are we left picking up the pieces? Morning, Molly. Yes, what a long day in Green Bay. Mm. What a terrible way to end the season for the Bears. They were out-physicaled. They were outplayed. Every aspect of that football game, the Packers were better. From every position, every from the line of scrimmage, the secondary, and especially at the quarterback position, which I know we'll spend – a lot of our time talking about just Justin Fields and his future. I think we're also going to probably discuss Matt Eberflus and his future more than we mm-hmm. may have expected. And Luke Getze is the third guy in the triumvirate, if you will. So there's a lot to talk about. There was a lot to digest. And yes, the regular season is over. Seven and ten, just like we said. <laughs> yeah, you take no joy in that, no, though. I, um, I mean, the Bears had a lot. They There was a lot on the line in that game. Was there, I, I, and I mean... It was it was the head coach that declared everybody plays and we want to win the game and you know he he talked about the goals of the season. I I got to tell you, they they had an opportunity to knock the Packers off of uh, out of the playoffs. 
They had an opportunity to make a statement about their future in this division. And I got to tell you, I, I look at this now, and I'm saying to myself, well, maybe the Lions aren't the team they got to take the North from. Maybe it is the Green Bay Packers. That is the youngest team in football. They had a lot of guys that you had to look up who they were, and, uh, and they played well. And as you said, the Bears lost that game on the line of scrimmage. They could not block up front, and they couldn't stop anybody from rushing at them. And it was a real problem when you look at their season. And I I know there were people that got mad about the cigar smoke in Seattle because they had cigars to celebrate a – a newborn, but they were smoking in the locker room after a loss. Bears did that the week before. I didn't realize, like, Olin and Pat, neither of them liked that. I didn't. It didn't mean much to me either way. Yeah. But did the season well, end with uh, amid the uh, the victory? Yeah, I don't think Atlanta. it had much to do with it. To be honest with you, I think big picture, there are a lot of implications that will dominate our week and probably most of today's show. When you look at this, zoom in and what happened yesterday, yeah. 432 yards by the Packers' offense and running over the Bears' defensive front was the difference in that ball game. You had Aaron Jones becoming the first runner to have a 100-yard rushing game against the Bears' defense. You had Jordan Love doing whatever he wanted, the way Packer quarterbacks have for well, that's the last three decades, which made it even harder to watch. And yep. you had a defense – that has become a top 10 defense, give up too many third downs, give up you know, only 17 points, but they, you know, the Packers botched the possession at the end of the first half and they missed a field goal. Yeah. That game was not as close as the score indicated. No, no, they left points on the field in the first half. They the, did. Their game wasn't close when you really look back at it. Uh, the Bears did hold them 17, so I suppose that's within – but they were running free. They had wide open receivers. They had guys. It it just felt like Jordan Love could do whatever he wants, and that is far too familiar a feeling for uh, for a Packer quarterback against the Bears. And and frankly, the most bone chilling moment of the whole day is listening to Tony Romo talk about how uh, really that this is how. Uh, this is how Brett Favre played, and Aaron Rodgers learned by watching him, and uh, and then you see Jordan Love, and he learned the Brett Favre style. He talked about like connecting the generations, and I gotta tell you, yeah, if ever the there was away. a chilling moment, chilling because of the realization that he's next and he's now, right? He's good. He's good. He's a real. You know he, what? We actually he's... made the idiot. Uh, d- debate between the two quarterbacks. It's not close. It's not close, but that was the debate going into this season when they you know, were at Soldier Field for week one, and you saw and you wondered, and by week 18, one quarterback had stagnated and one quarterback had developed into playing at a level in Jordan Love as high as any right now in yeah. the NFL. The last month, he's been statistically – He's been the best quarterback as, in football yeah, last month. and that's yeah. just hard to see. And right. you know what also is familiar, Molly? The unfamiliar receiving core mm. that's doing the damage. This isn't a guy that has a Pro Bowl wide receiver. I I challenge any Bears fan to name all the receivers that caught a pass yesterday. Right. Romeo Dobbs went out. Christian Watson wasn't there. <laughs> Belton Bo Melton ends up doing some damage. Yeah. And guys who you never have heard of 
they're made better because Jordan loves playing at a level where he lifts up and elevates the play of everybody around him. The scheme is conducive to his skill set, and that offense is clicking. So credit to the Packers. They did what they needed to do, and the Bears, well, they got to pick up the pieces and again. Your, and your, go, your guy – you love the guy, Matt, the flower. <laughs> that guy is 10-0 and 0 now against 10 the 0. Bears. Five straight years of beating him twice. And poor Justin Fields ends up 0-6 uh, in those games. and Never beat the Packers. Never beat the Packers with the Bears. If, that, indeed, that's the end of his if career. If, indeed, it is the yeah. end of the Justin Fields era in Chicago. And you do get the sense that it might be. You do get the sense that yeah. he anticipates – uh, saying goodbye, and he started that process yesterday. We heard him coming into the show uh, in that locker room, which was as down – that was as down of a locker room as I can remember being in. Uh, I was up at Lambeau, made the trip up, and post-game, one after another, the Bears kind of waved some people off. Justin Fields spoke, and I think that – didn't you get the sense that he was essentially – Oh, he said goodbye. Saying goodbye. No question about it. No, I mean, he said goodbye. He knows what's going on. He's not a fool. The Bears own the number one overall pick. There was nothing he could do about it, which is sad. The Bears also own the ninth overall pick. So one and nine. Will, they will have uh, two picks in the top ten. Um, and we, listen, I, I, don't think that, I don't think that Justin Fields' era will end until they know what they're going to do and they'll go through – a lot of different I mean, I mean this that's the awkward phase we're going to be talking yeah we will talk about uh we'll find out the fate of the head coach and the offensive coordinator i would imagine in the next week and maybe wednesday but whenever big z said he thought it might be wednesday when they had the you know they have their their exit meetings with coaches they'll the the uh coaches will have their meetings and Eberflus will have his meetings and they will announce Probably on Wednesday, you know, maybe Thursday. I don't know, but we will hear a news conference and we'll hear who's coming back in terms of the head coach. Unless there's shocking news, and right. I guess Matt Eberflus being fired would qualify at this stage as shocking news. Would it? Yeah, it would only because mm-hmm. of the tone of the comments from Ryan yes. Poles on the Bears radio Listen, network before the game. Is he making it, the decisions? Well, I think we. Assume yes, he's the general manager, so he's he's picking the head coach. So you said you, the question was, would this be shocking if he were fired? It would be shocking based on the rhetoric. Absolutely. Okay, okay fair enough. So based on the rhetoric, but it, what doesn't Kevin Warren have final say? Well, and, I, and what if what if what if somebody became available that they weren't anticipating would be? Then and, that would be shocking. Well, It'd be a okay. shocking development if if somebody is fired or on the street, and you think it linked to the Bears. If Jim Harbaugh announces after yes. winning the national championship tonight he's, he's going to the NFL, and this happens at midnight, and they still have yet to evaluate Matt Eberflus fully, and they're being deliberate because maybe they're waiting for something like that, yes. But I think as we sit here this morning, conventional wisdom says the odds are on the Bears retaining Matt Eberflus. Totally. But, totally true. But there is, there, there, there is some wiggle room there. And yesterday's loss created a little bit more. But I don't think good organizations, I don't think smart, forward-thinking organizations make big-picture decisions based on the outcome of a single game. I, I don't think you should based on a single game, but I think you need to be stone sober as you pick apart the entire season. 
and there are arguments that people are going to make in the in the you know Eberflus will make a good argument for himself. I don't know where I'm at, David. I mean, my druthers at this point that was a tough loss, man. Mm-hmm. The way they lost the game, uh, the way they were outplayed, the way they were, as you say, it it was it they lost the physical game of football at the line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball. And that, that would make me reevaluate a lot of things because you can't get caught up in beating a team like Arizona, uh, uh, beating a team like uh, Atlanta, as if that is beating your biggest rival. And honestly, the Packers look well ahead of the Bears after what we saw yesterday. Well, I think they do look ahead of the Bears because of uh, of the continuity in, in that scheme and the carryover effect from one quarterback to the next, and you can plug in the youngest team in football, and they have the stability that the Bears lack. So I think in that in that vein, I almost would think, okay, t- related to our, our earlier discussion, unless the Bears know something or find out something with from somebody who they're either in their dream candidate, Harbaugh or – like Somebody, Tomlin's, Mike Tomlin, yep. Mike Tomlin's out of a job. Then, then I think that, and we we almost casually refer to it as the Craig Council rule in Chicago because it just happened. Yes, it's recency bias, understandably yep. so. Let's but go. there's got to be Ambition. that. Yep. There, there's got to be that you can never discount. But I think that short of that, Molly, I think the Bears feel good. That's a that's a big yeah. term. Yeah, I think I the v- Bears feel. Uh, confident in their choice to probably bring Eberflus back. I, I would be surprised if, if Luke Gessie comes back, and I think we both agree they're moving on from Justin Fields. And they're going to probably trust Matt Eberflus because of the foundation that he alluded to yesterday, and we'll hear the audio eventually. He's proud of what they established. I think Ryan Poles is proud of what Flusey did, and then they're going to try to plug in an offensive-minded play caller and pair him and marry him with a quarterback who is their guy that they draft. Yeah, I, I think that's. I think you're exactly right, and I. I think we need to discuss the wisdom of that. I, I'm. I'm. That's why we're here. Yeah, you I'm know, just I, saying. That's why I, we're here. I. I understand everything you're saying, but there is a counter argument to make that if you are indeed changing your offensive scheme and changing your offensive coaches, and you are looking for a new quarterback. Why would you want the head coach to remain to run his defense? Again, he's done a great job as a defensive coordinator. Right. I'm not sure where he's at as a head coach. And and do you need to bring someone in here who would be sort of an, a defensive coordinator, head coach type to fill in the blanks where this guy is locked into it's, calling it's defense? A, it's an understandable position. I'm not arguing for – you know, yeah, I'm not, Matt Eberflus, coach of the year. I'm not arguing against him. I'm just I, saying. I, I like a lot. I like a lot of things he uh, represents. I like the, a lot of things he did to the defense. I, I do believe this. Uh, finding out more, talking to more people. Yeah. If he comes back, it will be contingent yes. upon him calling. Defenses. Oh, he'll have to be in the same role. So, so that that continuity is appealing. Is it appealing? Because then you're that. What you're saying is you're hiring a head coach offense to to produce the new quarterback whomever it shall be right. and i think we have I, a good i'll tell idea. you what i'm influenced by yeah uh, and, and again this is recency bias we're all prone yep. to that saturday night cj stroud celebrates 
uh, a rookie of the year type season, yes. goes into Indianapolis with his defensive minded head coach. Yes. And he's plopped into a situation where they were three and fourteen last year. Mm-hmm. They're considered one of the worst teams in football, the Houston Texans, at the beginning of the season. They were the worst team in football and, until they gave the and, Bears the draft. And, and, and if you can Thank name you, their off, if you can name their offensive line, congratulations. You yeah. could, you should win a prize. Yeah. Molly, CJ Stroud single handedly made that football team into a playoff division champion. Right. A, a playoff team. With a defensive-minded head coach. With a defensive-minded head coach. But, but he was also his head coach. He's also the guy that was brought in, you know, to kind of oversee the entire operation and to make sure that there is – like, this is what I'm saying. I don't like the idea – I think if you're getting – if you're bringing in a, a head coach – then he's bringing in his quarterback, and then they're going together. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened mm-hmm. uh, in Houston. The idea of bringing in a new operation and a new uh, quarterback with a, a kind of leftover head coach, you don't want to get out of whack in well, all that you, stuff. Not, that's yeah, all I'm saying. I, I understand that. and I don't, I'm not sure you'd be getting out of whack if Matt Eberflus is the incumbent, but because you're starting fresh with a new quarterback, you're starting fresh with a new offensive scheme and system and play caller mm. and I think that would be very appealing to whoever the play caller and offensive coordinator would be the chance to run your own operation run your own operation no interference from the head coach. have the autonomy yeah have a new quarterback you're drafting first yeah. overall and you do see evidence of the CJ Stroud you do see evidence of first year starter in Jordan Love if you have the right infrastructure and if you have the right defense you can plop a guy into an offense and make a run for the playoffs. Again, the flower was there when they drafted Jordan Love, right? Sure. So, I sure. mean, I'm just saying I I prefer the idea if you need to if you need to restart half of it, I think you're better off just restarting. Well, tell me who you tell me who that I, is then. I, 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 I'm I, just saying, as I said, that, I don't know yet. That would be my who, answer. Who is? I and I that's a good answer. I, I would not want You're telling me they don't know any offensive-minded head coach that that they could bring in. I, I, Arthur listen. Smith is available. Oh, that's funny. That's very good. Yeah. He's not the guy. He's not the guy. It doesn't always work and out that way. Even if they didn't score a touchdown at the end, he's not he's the not guy. The guy. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm kind of kidding because not every offensive-minded head coach is the solution. Not every defense. It, it just depends on fit. It depends on so many things. I just don't – I wasn't persuaded – that Matt Eberflus was in trouble based on the tone of Ryan Poles' comments, which were consistent with his midseason evaluation when things weren't so good. Yeah, the defense really kind of folded when it mattered yesterday, and um, that's happened, what, three different times in comeback victories. I'm I'm just telling you that as I look at where they're at, I felt like Flus was coming back, I'd wrap my mind around it. I felt they were a try-hard team, and that was their signature. And I felt like they were completely outclassed when they played a better team that's playing well at the end of the year. So it gives me pause. I, I don't think my pause matters to them. I think you're right. The general manager is, is wants the head coach back. That should matter. I just wonder if um, – if there is someone at a higher level, I'm I'm very curious. I got a feeling I'm going to be hugely disappointed. Um, but I I wonder just how how much change is awaiting the Bears. And I'm talking about everybody in the building. 
Well, you know, this guy has been there for a year, walking around, keeping copious notes. We know he keeps notes. And I just wonder what his conclusions are at the end. I, You know, part of me wonders if he's going to be allowed to do everything he wants to do because you never know with the McCaskies. I hope he has that agreement in stone, but I'm I'm putting a lot of faith you, in this guy to to change the organization to a point where it becomes more professional. You get the sense in talking to people around the organization that Kevin Warren will have the kind of autonomy, yeah. the kind of room, the kind of trust from the ownership that if he has uh, if he has that confidence, he has power, he can exert it. I, I don't know what that means. I don't think anybody does. But I do think that as committed as he sounded when he took the job to making the stadium project his number one priority, it has shifted now. This is the most significant offseason since last year, mm-hmm. and it's a much different objective. As much as the stadium project was his priority last offseason, fixing the football operation has got to be what he attacks with a sense of urgency. And how he does that, nobody knows. I do think that his relationship with Ryan Poles and I think that chemistry and the camaraderie between those two men is the most defining trait of the management team right now. I don't know about Poles and Eberflus. We can suggest, we can, yeah. we can, yeah. we can assume a lot based on right. – if you trust somebody, what they say, and, you know, body language can be loud as well. Totally agree. They have an affection and a respect for each other, talking about Poles and Matt Eberflus. And I don't know if that's enough, Molly, but I think it all depends, like, when we're talking about the quarterbacks. Justin Fields is in jeopardy of losing his job. Why? Because there could be a better alternative in the draft. Matt Eberflus would be in jeopardy of losing his job if there is a better alternative. But just tell me who that is so we're able to compare. We don't know. There's a guy that's going to be coaching the national championship tonight. (laughs) I'm just saying, there are are people. You had me at hello. Well, there are people Uh, that that would bring more gravitas to the situation, in my opinion, than than kind kind, kind of trying to start again on offense with a new quarterback I I need to know who that who that hey. offensive guy is. He'd need to have some gravitas. Are they going to bring in you know whatever the equivalent of Luke Getzey was a couple years? Is Nick years Sirianni ago. available yet? Uh, I don't believe yet, but <laughs> it's heading that way, isn't it? That's rough. I mean, they, it they, is they, rough. There are a lot of teams in the league that are, and that's a really good example that are playing their worst football at the most important time. Eagles are reeling in, in reeling. some sort of funk right now. Reeling. When you talk about the ability of Kevin Warren to do what he wants with the mandate from ownership to just fix this, right? Yeah. I think it's interesting because if we talk hypothetically about Harbaugh, Harbaugh, based on reports, is is either negotiating already yeah. or hearing from the Chargers and yes. the Raiders. Yes. And if you add the Bears to the mix, all of a sudden you've got you're a pretty – bidding war and you're yeah. not going to – are you willing to win a bidding war? Are you willing to pay $18 million a year for Jim Harbaugh if he wants uh, complete control of your operation? I think in five years you'd be very pleased with what resulted. I'm not. I would not dismiss that possibility either, as Dustin Tisk, Tisk shakes his head. But I don't think that's a realistic option right now. I'm saying if we're talking about hypotheticals, that's the kind of hypothetical it would take. I think for the Bears to pivot away from Matt Eberflus at this point. Yeah, I, I, 
again, I don't know what the answer is, but there's got to be a better option than trying to hire an offensive coordinator to develop a quarterback while you're allowing a guy to stay in. I, I, if I felt differently about that game, this is recency well, the, bias. The, 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 I feel really bad about what yeah, happened yesterday. That. It was a waste that's, of time. That's, that's, and it's in the season ultimately <laughs> has been kind of a waste of time. I, I would think that if I am a play caller or of some has some stature and some gravitas, if you will, in the NFL, I would look at the Bears' potential opening. They haven't fired anybody yet. Mm-hmm. But if you have a chance to coach Caleb Williams, develop your own scheme, call your own plays, and do so with a defense that is potentially a top-five defense and over the last 12 weeks has been one of the best defenses in the NFL, that would be very appealing for any offensive coordinator looking for work this offseason. Yeah, I think that the head coaching job would be very appealing for anyone <laughs> looking for work this offseason, too. True. Don't you think, if, yeah. you, if you wanted to make a change? I, you know, I understand that they probably want to give it another year, and they probably don't want to pay two coaches and all that stuff. I get it. Um, but it just feels like the Bears, the Bears still don't hold themselves to the standard that the fans do, and that's disappointing. That's another failure of a year. They won seven games. We said they'd win seven games. That is not an accomplishment. That is, they lived up to our kind of low prediction. What was their over under seven and a half? So that's they an won under. seven. That's they, an under. Yeah, they doubled their from from last year, which I, I I don't think is that big of an accomplishment. They had seven victories and they had a chance to be a nine or ten win team. And they, they played the worst schedule uh, in, in which, as we found out, the division. You know, it's a different scenario when your when your offense is scoring points against the Falcons and the Cardinals than when it's facing the Browns That's and the it. Packers. It. It's it's a step up in class and the Bears were not prepared to take that step. You can blame injuries if you want, but every team is banged up at this stage of the season. And, and you're right. I mean most likely Eberflus back, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback. That's most I, likely I think that is conventional wisdom yeah. right now. Right. It doesn't was, mean it's right. I I'm Everybody has an opportunity to make their own judgment, and it's going to be, you know, predominantly the opinions flying today are about the quarterback. Uh, it's it's one of those things where Justin Fields, after yesterday's game, people are jumping to the conclusion of like, well, you can't base it on just one game. The judgment on Justin Fields is over 38 starts. Mm -hmm. The body of work after three seasons. It's not a knee-jerk reaction to that. It's difficult to get away from that because yesterday stung. I think we went into it with high expectations for the Bears. I picked them to win. I mean, we thought that they could do it. What was your score again? Because we were a <laughs> we all picked off. them to win. Yeah, 23 to 19. You were 24 to 20. We all had a four-point game. Wasn't that close? No, it wasn't that close. All right, we've got uh, the pick six. We're going to ask a lot of these questions. And we're going to get into the big stories over the weekend, a lot of big stories uh, with our local franchises. And maybe we'll predict a game or two before we're uh, done with it. The pick six is next. It's Mo. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Ian Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score. It's Pick 6 with Mully and Haw, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick 6 with Mully and Haw starts now. Will the Bears ever get to the point where they can beat Green Bay consistently does the 17-9 loss last night mean the Packers, the league's youngest team, if they're ahead of the Bears moving forward? Or do you think the picks and the possibilities matter even more? Well, I, I, I personally would rather be the Packers than the Bears right now. I mean, I think that the picks and the possibilities are, are really good. To have assets is great, and to figure out how to use them is not a problem. That is a wonderful thing. And they got a lot of different options, and they need to to kind of figure them all out. But I would rather be a team that has already started. I'd rather be a team that has a young quarterback that is on the rise. And um, that guy, you know, it's his first year as a starter, and he's made the playoffs with a team that had a Hall of Famer and couldn't make the playoffs a year ago. So I would um, – if I were uh, putting a team together, I think I'd rather be them than the team the Bears are right now. And I think that it'll be interesting to see if I feel that way after the draft. Again, it's hard to watch that kind of game. It's hard to watch that coach win his 10th game against uh, the the rival. Are, the, are you a rival? I mean, maybe Aaron Rodgers is right about all that stuff, which makes my skin crawl to even say it. But there you go. Um yeah, it's, um, it's the Bears are behind the Packers, no question about it. And the Bears, when you break down the two games, they're a lot more competitive with Detroit than they are with the Packers. And that's the reality of taking the North. Well, if consistently is the key to all of this, and the ever is also part of this, then you have to hope and believe that these picks and possibilities all work out because in order to do what we're hoping they do they have to use the picks and possibilities and I guess you know the possibilities could start with the amount of money they still have available to them to spend in free agency the opportunity they have to change the coaching staff whether that's a complete flush or just a flush on the offensive side of things so in order to beat the Packers consistently or ever, they have to get the picks and possibilities correct. This is a tough thing to 
say the morning after the Bears got overwhelmed and overmatched by the Packers again in the 17-9 game, but the Bears are actually in a pretty enviable spot. They have the number one overall draft pick for the second year in a row. They turned last year's number one into a hall of, of players and picks and all kinds of talent, and they have it again. They draft ninth, and they have $62 million right now estimated in salary cap space for the offseason. They've got a defense that its core players are together, and when healthy, it's a top five to ten defense playing at a pretty high level. Montez Sweat arrived to be the disruptor and multiplier and all those things. And now they've got to complement that with these picks and possibilities, as it says here, and and try to take advantage of all the losing they've endured. You, you can't just go through adversity for the sake of going through the adversity. You've got to be a, a team that capitalizes on going through the tough times. You've got to be able to take advantage of your draft position. And if they can, then they will be competitive in the division. Will they beat the Packers consistently? That's a lot to say, and that's a lot to ask, and that's a, that's unrealistic right now because all the Packers do, they plug in a quarterback, and he, has, he runs the offense like he's been running it all his life, like he was born to do so because that's the Packer way. They've been doing it for the last 30 years at that position. They also understand scheme, and they do draft pretty well. So I don't know about consistently, but the Bears are in a good spot to upgrade – and to be more competitive in this rivalry, if you want to call it that, but you can't really uh, call it that until they start holding up their end of the bargain, and hopefully that's as soon as next year. Yeah, I'm not talking necessarily about a pick six or something like that. Brad Biggs, 9 a.m., Biggs time, Mondays right here on the Mully and Haw Show. What was your favorite part of the Justin Fields era roller coaster ride? The click, click, click on the way up or the constant screaming after various losses? Is the Fields era over, and are you surprised that he never beat the Packers 0-6? Well, I think there is a lot of screaming. <laughs> it's that people who don't like the idea of Justin Fields coming back or predict or project the fact that he's moving on. This was quite a ride, a thrill ride with Justin Fields in three seasons and 38 starts, and the highlights were so intoxicating that I think that it made us drunk to the reality that he wasn't progressing as much as he needed to as a passer and you can argue that and you can say extenuating circumstances and he didn't have an offensive line and he never had the weapons until they traded for DJ Moore and you'd be right you'd be right but that overlooks and too often ignores how he has yet to really polish his game as a passer what does it look like watch CJ Stroud watch Jordan Love that's what it looks like when a quarterback is able to elevate the play of the people around him, lift an offense and carry it into the end zone and move the chains in, in, in to a victory, to the playoffs even. So Justin Fields is going to be a starter in the NFL for many years. I don't think it will be in Chicago. It was a heck of a ride. It was unfulfilling ultimately. It is exciting at times, but disappointing at others. You wish him well. There's not, there's not anybody in Chicago that shouldn't be proud of the way that Justin Fields represented the Bears. I just think that as we sit here today, unless they find something that's so bad and egregious in Caleb Williams' uh, background and his character research, I think they're going to move in a different direction.
All right, David, so you're saying that's it, over. The Fields era is over, other than what you just said there about Caleb Williams. I'll tell you what, yesterday sure didn't help. It sure didn't help, and, and there was a lot of talk before the game, right? Like, had the decision already been made, and should a three-hour and ten-minute afternoon north of the Cheddar Curtain decide the most important position on your team? But, boy, yesterday did not help one bit. Unfortunately, the things that you're going to remember the most, if it if it is over, is his escapability, the runs. It's not going to be the passes. It's going to be the runs that Justin Fields made over the years, the, the wow factors. But there weren't too many wow factors in the passing game. And yesterday, 16 attempts. He only threw the ball 16, allowed to throw the ball 16 Did, times. How many times they throw it in the end zone? They did one, right? That I could maybe maybe twice, but yeah, one maybe. for sure. Maybe yeah. twice. You're right. I mean, Mully, you're a, that's that's a great point. How many times do they actually put the ball down the field into the area where you actually get six points? <clears throat> I know I have been very anti Caleb Williams. He, the other problem is I, I I understand the love that people have for Caleb Williams. I just think it's a massive drop off after him. I'm not in love with anything after Caleb Williams, if you even like Caleb Williams. I don't know if they are either. Right. And I mean that's <laughs> that's why I think I it, today I don't think I don't think it's over, but I think it's definitely here's what I think for sure. It's definitely not he's back for sure. It could be over, but he's definitely not back for sure based on what happened yesterday. Yeah, I, I think Justin Fields is a class guy. I thought he was class. All the way to the end yesterday, I enjoyed hearing from him. I think he's got a fantastic perspective. Um, I do believe the Fields era is over. Um, and I'm I'm not surprised that he never beat the Packers because the Bears have never been good enough to beat the Packers. You don't feel like they had the better team. Um, you know, the Packers are a better team than the Bears. As difficult as that might be to say, I think I'd prefer their coach situation, their quarterback situation, the defensive line. I mean, there are a lot of elements of the game of football that they are better than the Bears, uh, in which they are better than the Bears. And I I think that that was driven home again uh, yesterday. And if I were a member of the family, I would take that into account. And that uh, that would bother me. Because they've they they've got a lot of you know the Bears have better future assets than the Packers, that's great, but that's still you got to do your job right. You got to make sure you're bringing in all the right people. You know, I I feel better about the Bears in terms of uh, of the general manager, the coach than I did the year before, and I think that they've they've gotten some good answers. But it just feels like watching a game like that, you know, they're, they're, the roller coaster was there for you. That roller coaster hasn't died. You know, I, I saw a statistic that Justin Fields' record was like 4-18 and 18 in his first, um, his first 22 games. And then he's been 4-1 and one leading into yesterday. So I thought to myself, well, if he goes 5-1, and one, are we thinking about him differently? But he went 4-2. and two. I just think it's I think it's a it's you're asking a lot to make that decision, Dustin. I, I think that you if you've got an opportunity 
for like a an improvement at quarterback, I think it's incumbent upon the organization to think, especially resetting the clock and all that. These are the questions I cannot answer, right? Olin Krutz hopefully will answer some questions for us. Seven o'clock, Olin Krutz with Mully and Haw. Bears finished seven and ten. They doubled up last year's win total. Matt Eberflu said post game that the foundation was solid. How do you review a relatively strong finish against a terrible start to the season when you evaluate Matt Eberflus? I think evaluating Matt Eberflus is very difficult because they did not open the season correctly. They were they were genuinely bad to open the season, and they got their losing streak. What was it, twelve? And then um, and then you kind of saw the Bears turn things around a little bit. A lot of bad things happened over the course of the year. I don't, I mean, you know, they want to get credit for firing coaches. That, that's weird. I don't know that that's a good thing to have to fire some coaches or let one guy resign under pressure. Um, you know, they got better on defense, no shadow of a doubt. Part of that was a really good trade and bringing in a guy uh, who changed their defense in Montez Sweat. So that's good. I think that, you know, eventually they made some strides at quarterback, but it was difficult. The quarterback got hurt. The protection was better, and then it wasn't. They, they I think a lot of the things you like about this team were exposed in that season finale. And and I don't think that the last game of a, of a season or of an era – should determine everything. But I think it was sobering to realize where they really are. And they never got a three-game winning streak. They haven't had a three-game winning streak in this guy's uh, tenure. And I think that kind of thing matters. And I think that, you know, attempting to rewrite your record as the season's going on and, oh, well, we're 4-4 four and four now and, oh, we won five games. That's all great. But, you know, try to be ready for an entire season and they just weren't and I, and that would be one of the things that i would weigh into any decision that i were going to make about it but um foundation solid seems like the foundation's okay solid yeah not spectacular they're not as close to being elite in areas as they think they are yeah i don't think the foundation was solid i was really disappointed in the defense yesterday I, I, I had predicted, you know, we make the predictions, obviously, on Friday, what you think is going to happen, who the player is going to be that's going to stand out. I was Montez Sweat. Montez, Montez Sweat had a very average game yesterday, just average. What Not, was your points total, though? Uh, I had the Bears scoring 21 points. 21 to? 19. So they, they held them to 17. Right, but that, that they were lucky to hold that. I mean, okay. you know, they, yeah, they gave right. up Packers 432 yep. yards, I believe, of total offense. Yeah. They they could not they could not keep the Packers off the field. The Packers converted all afternoon. I think seventy percent on third downs. That that's that's not good. There was no pressure on Jordan Love. And when the Bears actually still had a shot, David, late in that game, when they had him backed up against the goal line, the defense was super soft. Gave the guys tons of room to operate. They had that play at the goal line where they they stopped them. And then the second down play, they got like 12 yards, and that was it to me. That that was the end of the game. They allowed a hundred yard rusher yesterday. Something yep. that you know, oh, the Bears run defense. We heard about that. Oh, oh boom. 
that that didn't pan out yesterday. He's number one in the league coming and, in. And that's yeah. part of the foundation that's supposedly solid. Right. And that side of the ball, yes, at the 17 points to 17 points, but they should have scored at least 23 points. It was a missed field goal and a, and a snafu by the team, the youngest team in the NFL made a blunder at the end of the half. I thought the secondary was as disappointing as it has been in a while. Not just the shoddy tackling, but there were a lot of gaps in coverage. There were a lot of holes in man-to-man or zone that Jordan Love easily exploited. I thought Montez Sweat being off the field at odd times kind of stood out again. They need to get in front of that. I never understand these substitution patterns unless it's related to conditioning or injury. I, I think that the Bears do have the foundation for a defense that can be very good, and it is going to be their identity until they figure things out with the quarterback position in an offense that's broken. Matt Eberflus, he, you could justify bringing him back. You could also justify identifying an alternative that's better. And if you want to move on after all of the things that you said to support the culture and the chemistry and the foundation that he cited post-game when asked about it, and I asked him directly about player development from one year to the next. How would you evaluate his development as a coach one year to the next? He said, you know, going from the CEO type to the play caller, that's interesting, but is it sustainable? Well, we'll find out how much the Bears believe in that. One thing that needs to change, regardless of who the head coach is, and if Matt Eberflus stays, he needs to eradicate this, and, and Ryan Poles needs to make sure this happens. Kevin Warren, too. Stop taking credit for enduring adversity that the Bears create for themselves. That's got to stop. You you cannot look at me anybody, you know, in the audience and claim that, well, we finished 4 and 2. And that's great because we started 0 and 4. One doesn't necessarily outweigh the other. Because you finished better doesn't erase the fact that you started poorly. And that's got to be something that stops. So if they keep him, help him, learn that condition so he doesn't say that ever again or think that way next season? That's a good question. Does Luke Getze have any chance to keep his job? What would be the basis if he was able to, and when do you think that would happen this week? I think this is the longest shot of the people we're talking about, and I think Justin Fields probably has a foot and a half out the door, but Luke Getze, you would have to make the biggest rationalization and the most outlandish argument for me to agree that bringing him back makes sense. He is a football lifer. He can hold people accountable publicly, but his play calling did not meet the standard. His uh, his game plans lacked imagination. They didn't throw the ball down the field yesterday. Maybe some of that is Justin Fields, but a lot of it is Luke Getze. I don't know where Getsy ends and Fields begins, but I do think there's enough shared responsibility and blame to think and conclude the Bears must move on. It's inconceivable that they would bring him back because that would mean bringing the quarterback back. And I don't see that. And that would mean bringing the head coach back. I don't see them running it all back for an offense that went from functioning at a decent level against bad teams and floundering against good ones. That's the one thing I know for sure this morning. There is no you, David, you you nailed there's you how could you sell how could you even sell the locker room? You know, if you don't care about the fans and you know the whole idea if you if you listen to the fans, you'll eventually be sitting with the fans kind of thing. How could you sell 
that locker room. And if you think the defense is the good foundation, how could the defense get on board with Luke Getze coaching the offense? That should be done later today. We should find out that the Bears and Luke Getze are no longer partners. Yeah, I, I think the argument, if you need an argument, is continuity. That is the same argument for bringing the head coach back, by the way. It is uh, the continuity and how important it is to have, uh, you know, not force people to learn a new system, blah, 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 blah. That would be the argument. The argument would be the exact argument that you you, you use for Matt Eberflus. The only, the only uh, thing you'd say is, well, if you get him his Montez sweat, then he's going to win. Oh, my God. If you put Marvin Harrison Jr. in that group, oh, then now all of a sudden they got the weaponry and they're going to, oh, you know, poor, uh, poor Luke Getze never had enough and never they never cared enough about him. They... They went out and they got a player to justify the coach's existence, but they didn't do that on offense. And, man, you know, they don't really know what an offense looks like. Chase Claypool, what was that? You know, Montez Sweat selected the same way the following year. I mean, you can make arguments over anything. I don't know that I don't know that they don't kind of ring hollow, and I don't know that I could actually stand in front of anyone and make that argument, but I'm sure Luke Getze – could probably walk in, turn on a projector, and show, here, we missed this play, we missed that play, we missed this play. That was all there. I'm calling the plays correctly. Why aren't they being run correctly? I'm just saying. I, I, You know, you can make an argument for anything. It doesn't mean it's right. I've answered this question, you know, a lot, obviously. And that's the voice of Connor Bedard. He's not uh, talking too much right now because Connor Bedard broke his jaw. Was that due to a cheap shot or a clean hit? Are you embittered that the NHL's youngest ever all-star will likely not get a chance to skate in that game? It's depressing, man. I mean, the Blackhawks had one thing going for them, and it was Connor Bedard. And you loved watching that guy play. That was not a cheap shot. I mean, listen, it looked like Bedard skated into him as much as anything else happened. I I mean, I'm not not saying that, uh, that, first of all, it's bad for the NHL. To lose a young star like that to a broken jaw, it is probably bad for Connor Bedard, right? I mean, they're going to have to get him protein shakes, and they're going to have – that stinks that a guy that young and that good had his jaw broken, and it just makes you worry about him. And then, you know, you you get – you you love when a teammate stands up for a teammate, and that's great, only he broke his finger. And how many guys are out for the Blackhawks? I mean – you lose count. You lose count about the number of players that are gone. Thank God they are uh, they are young and good, and they will have players coming because they've run out of them. And so much for all the trade stuff at the trade deadline. It's it's really upsetting. Well, I had a talk to a couple of uh, better NHL hockey people than myself on Saturday about Brandon? whether or not uh, Brandon, David, you. Um, about whether or not this was a cheap shot or not. In real time, it looked pretty cheap, and I applaud the Blackhawks for going after the guy that laid the shot. But everybody I talked to that knows hockey said that Bedard needed to put his head up, that that was Bedard's fault, kind of skated into the whole situation. Now, what about putting a cage on? I mean, there's there's no physicality at all in an all-star game. So I hope David's shaking his head. Go ahead. 
but I didn't say anything. I'm no, no, I'm my saying, head. but you're going to tell me why. That no, I'm I, saying, I put a cage think, on would, and let him skate. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take any risk with an All Star okay. exhibition with something like this. Six weeks is probably the timetable we're looking at. It was a shame. It was demoralizing watching that Friday night, and it was a clean hit. I, I do think that Brendan Smith, it was a clean hit for the Devils the defenseman. But I do think that it was a hit made because it was Connor Bedard. I think it probably he went after him because it was the 18-year-old phenom. And he said, well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let him know that he's welcome to the NHL, kid. Maybe it was that kind of thing. I hate fighting in the NHL. I love the way Nick Foligno responded. I love the way he responded because it was their superstar, the face of the franchise, a young star in the league. I like that response. You know why? Because it was less of a statement to Brandon Smith as this isn't going to be tolerated, more of a statement to Connor Bedard, we support you. We've got your back. It turned into a, a fight-marred game. It was kind of ugly. And overall, that's bad news. Bad news for the league, for the Blackhawks, for sports fans. 18-year-old All-Star, the youngest All-Star in NHL history, sidelined for six weeks. Let's hope it doesn't hurt. The arc of his career, it doesn't have to. Just reminds me of Connor McDavid. He missed a lot of time his rookie year. We were robbed. I think he broke his collarbone. Now the same thing's going on with Bedard. So, to answer your question. Will Bedard recover better than <laughs> David? That was for you. And he grows a beard. That was the voice of uh, Jim Harbaugh right there. Who are you taking in tonight's college football national championship game between the undefeated Wolverines of Michigan against the Huskies of Washington, who are also undefeated. Who wins? What's the score, please? Go Big Blue. It's going to be the Michigan defense on display. J.J. McCarthy managing the football game expertly. Blake Corum running the ball down the throats of the Huskies, who won't be able to stop Michigan's running game. And defensively, Michael Penix Jr. will get rid of the football quickly. He is an elite talent. He's going to move the chains, but he's not going to get into the end zone as often. And this, the, he'll be confused because this defensive coordinator is smart and crafty, and it's going to be Michigan 31, Washington 23. 31-23, wow. Michigan, says David Haw. Uh, go purple, 24-20, Washington. If you like Michigan, you got to like the under. I got a 24-20, Washington. Go purple. I can't wait to hear what Olin Krutz thinks about this game at uh, – Seven o'clock. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think Olin likes Washington. That's his team, man. Look, I I think Washington's been pretty extraordinary to watch. What's amazing to me about them is they've won their last ten games by eight points or less, and I think that um, they need a high scoring game. They're capable of it too, but I think that I think Michigan's going to win the game, and I think Michigan is going to win the game twenty four twenty. I'll go the uh, exact opposite of you, Dustin. If the game's in the 30s, then maybe uh, Wash if Washington can score in the 30s, that's the only chance they have to beat that Michigan defense. I think Michigan is really good up front, and I think that um, I think that what's going to happen is, in my opinion, they're going to have to put an extra. Talking about the the Huskies are going to have to put an extra defender in the box to stop the run and dare. J.J. McCarthy to throw over them, and he's going to make enough plays to win the game. I'm taking it 24-20 to uh, go blue. My wife went to Michigan. You know, I married into it. I've got to be pleased about that outcome. All right, 312-644-6767. We have the extra point. 
and we're going to uh, do a prediction on uh, the future, Mr. Gitz, the future of the local professional football franchise. We'll do that next. It's Mully and Haw on the score. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Are you expecting moderate change or a complete overhaul for the Bears this offseason? How much of the roster will be turned over? What about the coaching staff? Front office changes? How about day-to-day employees? I think I would term it moderate change, which, which is significant. I don't think it was going to be a complete overhaul. Could be wrong. But as we sit here this morning at, after the Bears lost to the Packers and finished 7-10, and 10, where we thought they would finish, I think that Matt Eberflus, barring a better alternative who comes available and isn't currently available, I think Matt Eberflus will return. I think his offensive coordinator won't return. I would just predict I'm not reporting anything, but you talk to enough people, and I would be very surprised if Luke Getze returns as a play caller. And I would think that barring any pre-draft revelations about problems or concerns or transgressions in Caleb Williams' past, I think the Bears are moving on at quarterback. They have the number one overall pick so if you are adding a new quarterback that you draft first overall a new play caller and offensive coordinator I think that qualifies as moderate change as for the other parts of the roster I think the defense will stay intact the if the scheme stays intact you want players who are familiar with that scheme and have had success in it Jalen Johnson I hope is back in some way shape or form whether it's the transition of the franchise tag and you know, the, uh, the rest of the roster will fall into place with $70 million in cap space thereabouts. And you're going to be able to put together a very good roster, Ryan Poles will. The other day-to-day employees, the building-wide sweep, if you will, by Kevin Warren, I think that's going to happen too. But I think we're going to notice and pay most attention to the football changes, which will definitely be worth our attention because I would call them significant. David, I think it's interesting you brought up Jalen Johnson. He'll be on later today at 5 with Parkinson Spiegel. I thought, who you know who had the best day outside of the Packers Jaylen yesterday? Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson. He money, yeah. He, he had the best day. I was disappointed. I, I wonder how that decision, the final decision, was made about him not playing because he, he was on these airwaves and said he would be playing. 100%. 100%. And he did not play. So did his representation, did he think about it? Did he sleep on it? Did the Bears tell him not to play? Did he decide not who decided? We'll find out hopefully at 5 o'clock today. I think it's one or the other. I think it's as it could be as small and the day-to-day people in the building now, but like it could be as small as Luke Getze is no longer the play caller, and it could be as massive as the whole thing is flushed. I think if you're sticking with Justin Fields, then you're sticking with the coaching staff. I think if you're making a change at quarterback, you got to start over and you got to have an offensive minded head coach in the building. Yeah, we kind of talked about that a little bit earlier. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that they may opt to get rid of the um, offensive coordinator, and you're right about that. I think the offensive coordinator has lost his job and is, you know, going to have a hard time. Keeping it, I think the quarterback's probably going to be changed, too. I don't know if you heard him. He pretty much said goodbye. I think he believes that he's pretty much gone. Um, 
I don't know about the day-to-day people in the building. I don't know what the interaction is with the uh, with the new president. I, I think it's also very interesting, David, that you know he came into an organization pretty much by himself. He knows tons of people. He probably has a lot of people that he believes he could bring in who would do very good jobs for him. So I wonder how much of that will happen. I'm not talking about... You mean in the office? Yeah, I mean... Office support? I'm not talking about guys that would, uh, you know, that would call an offense. I'm talking about business people. So you're not not necessarily talking about football people. No, but I'm saying... there's there's two facets to this. Two completely different facets. There could be a lot of day-to-day changes based on him and his people. I'm using that as as an example. I'm talking about all employees for a reason. Exactly. And he he wanted to know what everyone does and how they're doing it and all that. So I think that's a big thing that he is a guy that's been around a long time, knows a ton of people and may may see upgrades in, in his dreams. Who knows? But I, I would be very nervous if I was working for the Bears. And I, I think that that I, I think there will be a like normally you lose about a third of a team every year. I think it might be a little bit higher. I think that they're going to, you know, there are some obvious things they're going to need. Um, they, they need a. Off this roster? Uh, yeah. I, I'm saying instead roster? of 30%. I, normally it's 30%, but I think it could be a little bit higher. Interesting. I, I mean, just because, you know, off the top of my head, without even thinking for a second, you know, you got to get a new center, right? We know that. You got to get a new punter. You got to get. Uh, you got to look at, uh, you know, guys like Valus Jones. Why are they on the roster? You can't have uh, Trent Taylor and Valus Jones. It's a, it's redundant. So you need, you need more. You, you know, I'm not sure what kind of contract they'd offer Darnell uh, Mooney. Yeah, I, not, I just, not a big one. Well, this is what Your I'm saying. Your offense is think, in a state of flux. Your defense you know, is in, I think, a, a position of strength. Is, is Eddie Jackson going to take a haircut? He's going to have to if he's staying around. He's, if he plans and well, wants to stay in Chicago. But I think that there, there's a lot of that going on. You know who spoke yesterday in the locker room, which I found very interesting. I was standing right next to him when he said this. Cody Whitehair talked about wanting to come back. I don't see it. I don't either, but he did. He he would be the kind of guy when you talk about Eddie Jackson willing to take a pay, uh, a cut. pay cut. I yeah. don't know about Eddie Jackson, but Cody Whitehair, he might. That's true. And, and he does he have value? He has experience. Does that mean he has value? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to but that. But he made I, a statement that I it, think the problem is Nate Davis did not play well yeah. at the beginning or the end of the year, and I think that you've got to make. I think you need upgrades on that offensive line. You might need two. You might need three if you decide to try to change. Boy, Braxton tackle. Jones got overmatched, yes, and overwhelmed yesterday did. on he one did. sack. And um, I I think that you need to be. You need a lot of help on the roster, and you're probably going to bring in. I mean, anybody you draft is making this team, and that's seven players, right? Six. Um, and who knows if you're trading people or you're adding more picks. I mean, I think it. there could be more turnover. They also need more depth. That's just the reality of life. Um, you know, Nathan Peterman got in for a play. I don't think that's happening again. That was not a good – that was not a good sequence for the Bears, the National Football League, or anybody. That was nobody came out of that All looking right. good. We got to get to your calls. 312-644-6767. It's Mully and Hall. It's Chicago Sports Radio. 6-7 to score. 
Uh, I mean, I'm not sure. Um, like I said, that decision is not in my hands. Um, you know, all I can control is you know what I did do, and um, I gave it my all. So um, whether it's here or not, you know, uh, I have no regrets. Um, shout out to you know you guys for you know making my job a little bit harder. But um, yeah, uh, just to the city of Chicago, love y'all. Appreciate the fans and the support from all the Bears. You know, in case this is my last. Rodeo with y'all, and just appreciate y'all for everything. Welcome back. It's Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. That sure sounded like goodbye. Justin Fields postgame, Lambeau Field, in the room, asked a question, and went there, basically recognizing what could happen next. That could have been his last game in a Bears uniform, good old number one. And I think that he's showing keen anticipatory skills because I think the writing might be on the wall. I think it could have been his last game as a Chicago Bear, and this will be a momentous offseason. The biggest offseason since last offseason. 312-644-6767. We want to hear from you. The score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Olin Krutz coming up at 7 o'clock. DJ Moore at 8. Brad Biggs, Biggs time is 9 o'clock. Let's start with the phone lines. Kevin, our buddy, is in Palatine. Good morning, Kevin. Welcome to Mullen Haw. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, a few uh, a few thoughts. Um, can this team finally draft a center? We have to have it. We have to be the worst in the league at center. You watch all these games when someone needs a one-yard push. It certainly is not coming from Lucas Patrick or whatever other person we're putting out there. Mully, I agree with you. We need three linemen. We need two pass rushers. If there was a – that includes sweat. We need two more to go with him. We need we need everything. And if there was a draft in the uh, NFC Central for wide receivers after DJ Moore, they're not coming back to the Bears till another twenty dudes are picked. You watch the Packers just there's dudes everywhere. Here's the other thing. I, I just want to talk about the smoke and mirrors of this defense and this team. Okay. This team beat one good quarterback this year. They beat Jared Goff on December tenth. That's it. Name me the other all-pro, name me the other great offense that this team, you know, shut down this year because it didn't happen. So I think there's some smoke and mirrors effect. I don't care that everyone likes Eberflus, and I don't care that everyone likes Fields. This is not a popularity contest. I don't like the coach, and I don't know if the quarterback from USC is going to be great or not. I just know the guy we got now is not great, and that's it. So you cannot pass up the number one pick two years in a row. So they need to figure it out. But there's a lot of smoke and mirrors going on here. And we have to get a center. Please ask Owen about it because I can't watch another year of Lucas Patrick for my mental Thanks. health. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the phone call, Kevin. Yeah, Lucas Patrick obviously has not lived up to expectations. But I will say this. For somebody that gets as maligned as Lucas Patrick gets maligned, they missed him on Sunday against the Packers. They missed him when he was a surprise scratch on Saturday and went on injured reserve. I know the people covering the team. I know the people that know the team as well as anybody. That caught some people off guard. And Lucas Patrick replaced by Dan Feeney. That was a problem. That was a problem. When you're facing Kenny Clark and, frankly, a Packer defense that looked at that as a welcome change in the Bears' offensive line, not overstating Lucas Patrick's value, but they did miss him, and they gave up five sacks. Let's continue with the phones. Terry 
is in Johnsburg. Terry, welcome to Mullen Hall. Hey, Mullen Hall. How you doing? I talked to you guys like a year ago at the, at the end of last season. Well, happy anniversary. Said, Jackson, yeah, I said Eddie Jackson should be cut, and you guys totally denied and said, no way, he's a great player and all this. I watched him yesterday. He sure tackled more guys than I've ever seen, making $17 million a year or whatever he's making. And you guys said, no, 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 no. He should not be cut. It's not him. It's not him. It's not him. That's just one of the problems. We talked about the offensive line last year. They needed to redo that last year for Fields. I'm not saying Fields is, is going to be the next greatest quarterback in the world, but that guy got blown up three or four times on third down. I don't know if you guys know that. I think if they, he makes a couple third downs, that game is a lot closer than it should be. And then second of all, we've been talking about the offensive line for 10 years since Jay Cutler was here, and Jamarcus Webb hit him because he couldn't block anyone. <laughs> We're still talking about the offensive line for 10 years. They have never, ever, 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 ever fixed that problem. And it's been through uh, Dr. Death to Nagy to now we're at Iberflus. Same issue. They cannot block nobody for the quarterback. Thanks, Terry. Appreciate it. Look forward to the call next year at this time. <laughs> I, I think that every team in the NFL has offensive line issues, and every team in the league prioritizes protecting the passer. The Bears do have a chronic issue. They're unable to yeah. do that consistently, but – that doesn't make them exclusive to everybody else in the league. Everybody wants the that offensive line with the bookend tackles, the smart center, and the guards that can move. We'll be able to talk to Olin about this. We can talk to him about um, where they're at at multiple positions. I mean, listen, let's be honest. The the right tackle hit the rookie wall, okay? That happens. He, he had um, all in all a – Pretty decent season, playing injured, etc. I I don't know that he had a great year. The left tackle certainly struggled yesterday. Um, you know, Tevin Jenkins struggled yesterday. Saw him beat a couple times. I I don't know who you're talking. Who who is the guy you're building the offense around? Obviously, a former number ten overall pick is one of them. But I, I think Darnell Wright is a guy you can win with. Yeah, I agree. I think Tevin Jenkins is a guy worth keeping. I agree. When you look at Nate Davis, I don't know what other alternatives they have because of the pay and the commitment to him salary-wise. You draft a center, and then free agency, there could be some tackles that give you a chance to upgrade at the left tackle position. I, I don't know if they're going to do that. I have to look closer at the – free agent list, but Mully, you know, or in the draft, you could draft at number nine, yes. a left tackle oh, and he's yeah. plug and play. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're looking at a center and a left tackle and you're feeling much better about your offensive line and your ability to protect whoever the quarterback is. All right. We're going to get back to your calls. First, we'll talk to Olin Krutz. We'll do that next. Mully and Hall on the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. 
Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.